We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is an emergency episode of the podcast, if I've ever seen one. Mario Cristobal has been announced as the new head coach at the University of Miami. If you're new here, I'm Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation, joined by reporter Dylan Rubenking. Um, if you are watching on the live version of the show here of the podcast on Oregon Football Max Torres on my YouTube channel, thank you for tuning in. And if you are here uh, watching the replay, uh, as always, you know, leave me a comment to give me some uh, some of your thoughts about uh, this news. What are your reactions as an Oregon fan? Where do you think Oregon turns next? There's just about a million questions, a million ways we can go with this. But um, yeah, huge, huge news. Uh, you know, there had been smoke around this for you know week, and I don't know if I'd say weeks, but definitely uh, a while. And um, you know, finally finally becoming true today. How are you feeling about this? Just some of your reactions, Dylan. Um, I feel guilty only because the last time, you know, we talked about Mario Cristobal going to Miami. Uh, somebody asked it in a, one of the last pods and I said, you shouldn't put any validity towards that. Uh, I basically told Ducks fans that you shouldn't buy into that. And clearly I was wrong. So for any Oregon fans, I was like, Oh, he said it's nothing to worry about. And they rolled with that. I'm sorry. Um, because now it's now it's official and uh, Oregon's looking for a new head coach again. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I I, I see what you mean on the <clears throat> the apology, but these things are crazy, man. I mean, it's hard to really really tell what's going on unless you have the the inside track. You know, a lot of these coaching movements, you have to talk to the agent or directly to the school. So, um, you know, it's it's a crazy time, and we're, we're all just kind of rolling with the punches here, but um. Yeah, we, we obviously have a lot to talk about. Uh, if you guys are here in the chat, uh, here in the stream, you know, definitely throw some questions our way. And we're going to try to answer as many as we can. Um, we said maybe like an hour for this, but, you know, who we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But uh, we do have a question here. First question coming from Brandon. Thanks for the question. Uh, hey, guys. Damn, love the job you both do. What's next up for coach? Give me some good news, please. Peace. Uh, well, appreciate the kind words, man. No, it's it's definitely fun doing all this. As far as who's next, I, I have a, um, a story up on Ducks Digest right now that you can go check out uh, talking about some of the potential candidates that, that kind of come to mind for me. And the three that I talked about in that story, going to have a hot board coming out later today with, with some more uh, you know extended names. But uh, I talked about Joe Brady, the former Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. Uh, I also talked about... Uh, Matt Campbell, the Iowa State head coach. And then um, I also talked about uh, Dave Aranda, the the Baylor defensive coordinator. Um, so those are kind of three names that we could kind of hop into here, uh, you know, break break some of those guys down and and give some thoughts there. I feel like with, with Brady, you know, obviously he's a young, young guy. Uh, Panthers fired him yesterday, uh, Sunday, um, December 5th. And I think that the reason that I'm intrigued by him as a potential name for Oregon is as you think about the tradition of Oregon, it's it's uh, definitely branded in, in the offensive side of the ball. And he, you know, when he was last in college, he just led, I don't know, maybe the greatest college off college offense that, uh, you know, the sport has, has ever seen. 
Um, I think that would be huge. And, and you know, he's a guy that's going to probably attract a lot of attention, generate a lot of buzz with recruits. And I think some people are maybe worried about how Oregon's going to attract offensive talent after the product that they put on the field this year. Well, Joe Brady's from Florida. So uh, I know some Ducks fans, if they, uh, if they discover that they might have some issues, but obviously, you know, like you said, you know, he's got NFL pedigree. He's got the LSU championship experience. Um, you know, he's, he's more than qualified for, for Oregon and definitely a good fit when you talk about kind of an offensive minded coach. So when that news came out yesterday on the fifth, um, and that was immediately what I thought of as soon as I thought of it was, Oh, offensive coordinator, at least head coach possibly. And then obviously with everything happening today, I, I think I like him too. One name I thought of this morning that I just saw somebody tweet about a couple minutes ago is chiefs offensive coordinator, Eric B um, I don't know if he's considering any sort of college coaching positions because um, I do know he got a lot of NFL buzz this past off season, but why not give him a call? I mean, obviously you know what he's done with the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes just see if he's, you know, a guy that would be looking to, to go to college and take over a program. Um, you know, I definitely think he would be a great fit, but obviously, you know, with that chiefs team um, and the way that they're starting to roll now, it's no guarantee you'll um, you know, you can definitely kind of see where his head's at. But I do think he's someone worth reaching out to. Um, in my opinion, I think my favorite candidate is Dave Aranda, who's the head coach at Baylor. He's got a lot of defensive-minded um, positions. He's been defensive coordinator for LSU, Wisconsin, Utah State, Hawaii. Um, he's been all over the place in his 25-plus years in, uh, in football. So uh, definitely an experienced guy. He's turned a Baylor program around who – I actually thought was going to be towards the bottom of the big 12 this year. And they turned out to be big 12 champs. Um, so definitely a respectable resume for him. And I think he should be one of the first people that, that gets the call. Yeah. The, the, the name, the enemy is, is, is certainly uh, interesting. I, I'm right there with you. I don't know if he would want to go to a college program, especially when you think about how well the, the chiefs have been playing. I'm sure that that's a name that, that they're very interested in, in hanging on to as well. Um, and Dave Aranda, yeah, his his defense was obviously um, much of the talk at, at Baylor. I think that the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is if if you do hire a defensive guy, the biggest concern I think there would be what's the offensive side of the ball look like, you know, then the offensive coordinator hire becomes that much imp- more important. So I think that that uh, Aranda is obviously a guy that is really well respected, you know, all the players there seem to love him. And um, he's shown that he can he can get the job done and, and get some good results on the field pretty darn fast. So uh, winning the Big 12 is, is no uh, is no easy task. And, and having a really solid defense in the Big 12 is a bit of a rarity. Right. You know, that's I feel like you just think about gunslingers, absolute shootout games. People turn it tune into those Big 12 games sometimes and they're saying, where's the defense? Um, I think about, you know, the the Mike Leach days at Texas Tech or the Cliff Kingsbury days at at Texas tech. So that that's definitely a, an interesting uh, name to follow here, but we're going to have more updates on kind of who we're thinking and, and maybe what we're hearing um, as this thing uh, kind of keeps going. But we have another question. This one from Tyler two chains. Thanks for the question. How many players do you think Oregon will have transfer out of the program? Do you want to start with this one, Dylan? Yeah. I mean, I'm actually surprised that it's taking, um, you know, we've only seen the one decommitment in terms of recruiting. Um, as far as I know, as of 1137 AM, uh, Tanner Bailey is the only one to decommit as of right now, quarterback from Alabama. I have not seen anybody enter the transfer portal. Um, but I do expect a few. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you see some today, um, as of the time of this recording on the sixth, um, Honestly, it's, you know, this is such a young team that I would not be surprised if it's more than a lot of people think just because of how much young talent we didn't get to see this year that was playing behind some of the starters and, um, you know, had that attachment to Cristobal and maybe want to follow him. That's another thing that, um, you know, I've kind of been thinking about, like, how many people are going to follow him or maybe, you know, go to USC with Lincoln Riley or another school in the Pac-12. And then, you know, the coaching staff, it was talked about in the press conference with Rob Mullins today, you know, are some of those coaches that are really tight knit with Cristobal, are they going to leave too? Like Alex Mirabal, Bobby McClendon or Brian McClendon, excuse me. Um, You know, it's going to be really interesting. But to answer the question, 
I think there will be probably a handful, but I don't know for sure. I don't have that insider intel. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely reasonable to to think that uh, you know we could see some attrition here um, from the Oregon program. We're already seeing it. <clears throat> excuse me on the recruiting trail with Tanner Bailey uh, opening things up. Like you mentioned, Dylan, uh, he's an Oregon quarterback uh, commit, formerly Oregon quarterback commit from Alabama. So I think that that could be pretty big. Just looking at you know Oregon's attempts to get further entrenched in the Southeast. I think another name to watch would would be. Uh, TJ Dudley. I think that he's uh, you know, a really talented uh, linebacker that the Ducks have in the fold. I'm, I'm actually trying to see if I can talk to him later today. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. But I think maybe you see some offensive linemen transfer out, given that that's Mario's position of, of expertise. So that would kind of stand to reason. But um, I think the biggest name that everyone has their eyes on now is Ty Thompson. And, and he tweeted after the, the news broke, uh, stay the course. Um, which I think, you know, initially would, would probably be, you know, encouraging. But, I mean, you, you can only glean so much from, from one tweet, right? You know, you have to you – you have you just got to try to think about, you know, where, where his head's at and, and kind of what's going on. He, he lost the offensive coordinator with Joe Moorhead. So he's the biggest name to, to follow right now because, you know, he really didn't get much of a shot at, um, at Oregon this year. But I guess one of the pot, I mean, I'm not over. There's some people in the Oregon fan base that are like happy that Mario is gone. Like I've seen it. We, I think we've both seen that on Twitter. They were like calling for him to be let go or fired. And that just, that's nonsense to me. You know, you look at the guy and, and how, how much he's elevated the program since they went four and eight in 2016. And I think the results speak for themselves. Could things be better? Absolutely. But the fact that he was able to bring in so much talent speaks to a, a lot of uh, what he was able to accomplish here. But I say all that because maybe now that he's gone, we see Ty Thompson in the bowl game. I mean, everything's got to be on the table now since the they don't have an interim head coach yet. Um, one of the questions here in the in the chat was was talking about you know who is who do you think is going to leave? I think that uh, that's that's something we could uh, touch on here shortly, but. Yeah, I think that's one of the few positives that you could probably glean from this is that now that Cristobal is is at a new school, uh, kind of stands to reason that the Ducks could play Ty Thompson in the uh, Alamo Bowl and better yet, still hang on to his red shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ty Thompson is um, kind of the one thing that a lot of Ducks fans have kind of been excited about through all of this confusion and just um, – you know, mania in the last 48 plus hours with the Cristobal news and the Joe Moorhead news. Um, you know, obviously Oregon fans have been looking forward to seeing him. That's kind of an understatement. Um, you know, and if he's the guy next year, I'm sure he's kind of the, he's kind of the piece here, the silver lining for, um, you know, kind of an, a head coaching search and an offensive coordinator search. Like he's the guy that um, Oregon's probably going to want to build around, uh, especially on offense, which is why, I think they should go after an offensive minded coach more so than a defensive minded coach is to build around him and so much of the young talent in the running back room, um, you know, the offensive line and especially at the receivers and tight ends that, you know, probably got underutilized quite a bit. That was a thing that I was surprised to see. I mean, the, the talent that they have at, at, at wide receiver and, and ta- sorry, you think you said tight end and running back, but that was one of the questions that we've been talking about is why haven't we seen more from, the tight ends kind of uh, throughout the season here, especially down the stretch. When you look at how limited Anthony Brown is as a quarterback, obviously those, you know, short to intermediate routes are are probably going to be more in his uh, comfort zone. So I think that, that, that stands to reason that, Um, but yeah, the, we'll just have to keep an eye on, on who's uh, moving around in in the transfer portal, uh, who enters the transfer portal. Um, Because obviously heading into next year, since this roster is so young, a majority of these guys are going to be Cristobal recruits now um, after he's had, you know, his time at Oregon and, and been able to cycle through some of his own recruiting classes and get his guys here. Um, so that'll be, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be wild. I feel like that's the, the biggest word that we're kind of using here. Um, let's see, what do we have here? We have question coming from Tony. Thanks for the question. Chip Kelly with this talent would be great. Lane Kiffin has no buyout. Um, yeah, Chip Kelly is definitely a name that a lot of people are going to be talking about here, seeing that he was a former Oregon coach. I think he's been a little underwhelming at UCLA. You know, he's had, he's had flashes, but I think that 
um, you know, for, for how, how coveted of an offensive mind he was after his time at Oregon, it's, it's been kind of underwhelming, especially when you look at having Dorian Thompson Robinson, who had a great season, but I think overall his time in Westwood with DTR hasn't been as, uh, all it's cracked up to be or how, you know, lived up to all that hype, um, that, you know, was building when, when he got the job, uh, at UCLA and then Lane Kiffin. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that would be, you know, really interesting to see come to Oregon. Just when you look at how successful his offenses have been and how they're doing in the SEC at Ole Miss and the success that he's had with, with Matt Corral. Um, that's kind of just my, my response to this, uh, question from Tony. Yeah. So I believe Lane Kiffin just signed a contract extension a day or two ago with Ole Miss. So I don't believe that his, um, I don't think he's available for any sort of coaching. Now, then again, you know, Manny Diaz was a temple coach for all but eight minutes a couple of years ago. So um, who knows? I don't know if that's officially been announced. I remember Brett um, McMurphy posted it out uh, a couple of days ago and I don't know if it's official. So We'll see about that, but I do know. Oh, there we go. Yeah, looks like we got some details here from Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger. Don't want to cut you off, Dylan. Just trying to fill in the holes here. Details yeah. of Lane Kiffin's new contract per SI Now sources: starting salary of seven point two five million dollars escalates by a hundred thousand dollars each year. Seven point five five million dollars in final year twenty twenty five. Also, support staff salary pool to reach a minimum of three point five million dollars. And the last point here on Dellinger's tweet. Kiffin can get as much as a $200,000 bonus if at least 40,000 season tickets are sold. That's kind of an interesting, wow. interesting dynamic as far as, um, you know, what, what's going on with, uh, you know, incentives, I guess. Yeah. I think that's the first time I've ever seen an incentive like that before. It's based solely on season tickets. That's honestly, I'm surprised that we haven't seen that more now that I knew that that was even a thing that was possible, but going back to, Chip uh, Chip Kelly, I think one thing that kind of pushes me away from bringing him back to Eugene would be that obviously when he was at Oregon the first time, he was kind of a revolutionary mind, kind of as you led to offensively. And now in the last couple of years, it just seems like in the college ranks, so many people are trying to trying to replicate what he built at Oregon just because it was so unstoppable. I just don't think that there's something there that Oregon could take that's kind of new and would be better than what he did before and kind of keep elevating the standard. I don't think at this point he would be better than Mario Cristobal was, to be honest, based on what we've seen from UCLA. Now, obviously, Oregon is, you know, doing a lot better recruiting wise than UCLA is um, and they have more talent. But I just think as a as a coach, as, you know, an offensive mind, I, I don't know if he is the right fit um, right now in this day and age with this Oregon program. Um, but it depends on how everything else goes, right? If Dave Aranda stays put, um, you know, if Kalani Sataki is another name with BYU, if, if he doesn't go anywhere, then maybe he's kind of a last resort. But I was talking to you a couple nights ago. I just have this feeling that it's not going to be this big, splashy, big money move name for Oregon, for the head coach. I have this feeling that it's going to be a group of five Sunbelt Conference USA coach, you know, maybe an assistant somewhere. Um, one guy I really wanted to see was Zach Kitley from Western Kentucky, but he just got the OC job at Texas Tech. Um, and he's a very young, very awesome offensive mind. So I was looking forward to seeing him maybe be in the, in the conversation, but um, he's off to the Big 12. You talk about Chip Kelly maybe not really fitting or being as effective, I think is the point you were getting at in this yeah. age of college football. You know, a lot of people talk about how after the, he was so innovative at Oregon with the spread offense, how the rest of college football caught up. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think, uh, um, I don't know if I call it a red flag, but a question mark with, with Kelly would certainly be recruiting. I mean, he wasn't known for recruiting when he was at Oregon and nobody is recruited at the level that Mario Cristobal did when he was at Oregon. So that would be something to consider. Um, obviously the, the, I saw one of the comments saying that, uh, someone thinks that Kelly would dominate, uh, with the talent that Oregon has on its roster, which is a good point, but it is yeah. really, really young talent. And then you also talk about potentially having to change schemes. Um, but I think whatever they do, it'd, it'd be nice to see, uh, you know, more of a emphasis on the passing game. But at the end of the day, I think it's good for Oregon to be uh, a run first team. 
but obviously if you're only run if you're running that much because you're limited in the passing attack i don't i don't think that's good but we all probably we probably all think that at this point moving along question question from dustin Yu. thanks for the question how many assistants do you think Mario takes with him? I hope we keep McClendon. This is a, a you know kind of the next uh, the next big one for for Oregon fans and, and Oregon in this uh, in this you know whole saga. I feel like it's it's, it's fair to call it that, uh, even though you know Mario Cristobal was saying you know he was he was giving us a hard time for creating narratives. Um, that was one of the tweets that I saw. I, I think it was from Matt Prem at a. Two four seven, just saying. Oh, shame on us for, or or maybe it was Zach Neal with Ducks Wire, but it was like basically just saying like, yeah, there was there was definitely some stuff there. So we were just doing our jobs, but um, but yeah. So with this, uh, Rob Mullins talked about this in his press conference today. I know you were there, Dylan, as well. Um, and he was talking about how um some of the assistants are still traveling, and he he rattled off some names. I'm trying to look at my tweet because I know that I tweeted about it. Um, okay, here we go. Uh. Mullins mentioned some of the Oregon staff, including names like Alex Mirabal, Brian McClendon, and Bobby Williams are currently on flights and he hasn't been able to talk to them directly. Um, so these are obviously some names to watch uh, to go with Cristobal. I think the, the biggest one off the top that you have to think about is, is Alex Mirabal, right? He's an offensive line guy. Cristobal repeatedly refers to him as the best in the business. He's also a Florida native. They've been friends for forever. So I think that he would probably be the most obvious guy that would potentially go there, but Mullins was saying, you know, I want to let those guys announce themselves uh, when that news does come out. So he's going to be big. And, and you obviously look at how effective he's been on the recruiting trail for the Ducks. He was instrumental in, in landing the commitment of Kelvin Banks and uh, numerous other guys along the offensive line. Um, so that's that's huge. We have to see what, what comes from that. And then Bobby Williams is is another guy that I believe has Florida ties. I, I know Rod Chance has Florida ties. So it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because – all these staffers had Oregon ties and they never got back into Florida except for, except for uh, Brandon Dorless, Right. If you, if you look at him. Um, so I think that's pretty surprising. Um, but I'm trying to find out right now if he, if Bobby Williams does have Florida roots. Um, but what was I going to say? I think um, yeah, McClendon, you talk about McClendon, I think with, with all the talent that the Ducks have been getting at wide receiver, obviously they haven't really been utilized to their full potential. I think that he would be a huge guy to to keep on the staff. Okay, this Wikipedia says that Bobby Williams is from St. Louis, um, so check that. But he was uh, he was a, a according to Wikipedia, he was uh, assistant head coach at St. Thomas Aquinas High School, which is a powerhouse uh, high school in Florida that a lot of people know about. So those are kind of my initial thoughts on. Uh, you know, as far as people potentially following him um, and kind of what that picture is looking at, look, looking like. I believe Bobby Williams was also the running backs coach for the Miami Dolphins for a year or two, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so maybe there's a tie there. Um, but I think Mirabal was the one where as soon as that question was asked um, in that press, I hadn't even thought about that um, until that point. And Mirabal, I was like, oh, I don't. I don't know if Mirabal sticks around because like you said, he's like, they're as tight of friends as you're going to find on this coaching staff. Cause Mirabal and Cristobal have been friends since high school. They were high school teammates. They were coaching together at Florida international and now all uh, four years at Oregon. I just don't see Mirabal sticking behind after Cristobal goes to Miami. Cause that's, that's a huge opportunity for Mirabal or, uh, you know, Alex Mirabal as well. Um, and I do think that Miami could definitely use that help given, you know, they were pretty ineffective running the ball. I think they were like in the nineties in the FBS and rushing offense gave up two and a half sacks a game. So I do think that they need some help there and Mirabal, you know, like you said, Cristobal says all the time that he's the best in the business. A lot of the recruits that I've talked to, I know you have as well have said, you know, I came here because of Alex Mirabal and, you know, the vision that he has for me and, you know, just the way he sees the game breaks down film um, I would be honestly afraid for for the class with the offensive line depth um, if he was to go with Mario Cristobal because I know for a fact a couple people have said that they came to Oregon because of Mirabal more than anybody else. So I would hate to see him go. Same with McClendon. Um, I feel like if McClendon goes, might see one of those super talented receivers maybe enter the transfer portal because I know they talked very very highly of him 
and for good reason because he's a very good developer of of receivers but you just kind of think of a lot of these young guys i mean now you're talking about a second what third offensive coordinator in three four years um you know i i think i saw a stat that said oregon hasn't had a season where they've had a you know they had returning head coaches offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators since 2014 i believe which is when they went to the playoff okay gotcha now that's a it's a little t- interesting tidbit i feel like you're always i'm always finding that in your writing so I'm not surprised to to hear it pop up here on the on the stream or on the on the podcast. Thanks, um, Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Another uh, another one coming from question coming from Sam. Sam Kim, thanks for the question. It seemed all but done after listening to Mario after the Utah game. Why not give Wilcox a shot with a monster budget for an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator? Yeah, Wilcox. Uh, I think you know, obviously, a lot of everyone probably knows talking about Cal's Justin Wilcox. Um, he, he's a name that we're hearing a lot, seeing a lot on Twitter. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I wanted to start off with just that post game press conference at Utah for the Utah game. God, I mean, I feel like I wasn't even in Salt Lake for that one. I was watching that on my TV in, in the living room as much as I wanted to be there. Um, I had to stay back, but, um, God, I, I swear I could just reach through the screen and just grab hold of all the tension <laughs> like just, just, just Mario's demeanor after a loss, as you would expect with, with any head coach is totally different. Right. And then, you know, that he knew about all these things going on with, with him and Miami. And, um, he, yeah, it was just, he had all those, I mean, I'm not surprised to see him leave. I mean, you, you think about what Rob Mullen said about talking to Mario really throughout the night leading into this decision. I think that, it shows you that it was probably closer than people thought. At least it wasn't like a, oh, Miami's calling like done deal. Like I think mm-hmm. the fact that it took this long for the decision to come after everything started circulating last week shows you how close of a decision it was. But in reality, you look at everything that was at play and I think that uh, it, it makes sense um, that he's doing it. But also, I mean, it's just such a bizarre situation with my, with Miami just firing Manny Diaz on Monday morning. And then I, I don't know if they've, have they hired a, an athletic director since this, this news broke? I don't think that I've seen it. Not officially, but I know the Clemson athletic director's name has been thrown around for the last week, but I've not seen anything official yet. Okay. Well, that's something to, something to follow um, to see if they, if they do that. Um, cause a lot of people are saying, you know, even though there's all of these really good factors at play, you know, how, how do you join a program like that with confidence after this has been handled so poorly, as far as just with regard to Manny Diaz, just treating, giving him some, you know, decency. Um, and then, you know, kind of with that, we were, we, we I was tweeting about how, uh, Mullen said that he never got reached out to by anyone from Miami to, to talk to Cristobal when things were initially getting off the ground and how that's a common courtesy in the business. You know, I'm not trying to insinuate anything, but I mean, I'm not surprised that that happened as bizarre as it sounds because that this year in college football has, has been anything but normal. Yeah. I mean, when I was in the press conference um, with Rob Mullins today, I was, I could definitely tell that there was more to the story that like some sort of monster under the sheets, if you will, that was just not being discussed. Cause I, I have a tweet that I wrote from the, the press conference about Miami's interest. And he said, obviously the university of Miami made it clear. I won't comment on the ways, but that Mario was a person of interest. We've been well aware of it. We understand that's the alma mater that's home, all the elements that go into it. Just the, the way he said that and the way he had to like catch himself about the ways in which they were interested. Um, I feel like aside from the Manny Diaz situation, which obviously that was just tough. I mean, imagine being Manny Diaz and going on Twitter and just saying, oh, you know, Miami's got a new head coach, but they've still got one under contract. Like, imagine just (laughs) just trying to figure out he's already been through the whole thing with Miami and Temple. And, you know, they announced that job and then he went back to Miami. And now this like, God, what a career Manny Diaz has had in the last couple of years alone. But um I just feel like there's something there that's not being spoken about. That's just really off about the way Miami went about this. Um, And we've known for quite a while that if Manny Diaz was to, you know, be on his way out to get the boot that Cristobal was going to be in the conversation. Like, I feel like even before the end of this regular season, Manny Diaz has been on the hot seat for 
quite a while because he's just no been underwhelming. Um, and so you knew that Cristobal, alma mater, you know, hometown, that's where his family is, had to know his name was going to be there. Um, I don't think Cristobal necessarily expected it based on what Mullen said um, today. I just, I'm just sad that it all just happened the way it did with Manny Diaz. And I've seen some of the parents' players saying that, you know, they didn't know about the whole departure thing until they had their meeting this morning. Um, yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy situation. But to go back to the question here, um, with Justin Wilcox, I, I go back and forth on Justin Wilcox because he's had a lot of success in his career. Um, going back to Wisconsin, being the defensive coordinator there, he has some Pac-12 um, experience as an assistant as well. I, I believe he was a UW's defensive coordinator for, I think it was just one year, um, USC as well. Um, and then the last few years at California. California, I think, has been a very underwhelming program, um, to say the least, under Justin Wilcox. I do think their lack of talent at a lot of positions kind of speaks more to that. And then injuries and just the Pac-12 being um, as cannibalistic as we've talked about all year. I just don't know if he's shown enough to me that he can lead a program like Oregon. Um, you know, I, I do think he's a good coach. I just I don't know if that step up um, is worth kind of forking over the bag for, um, given what we've seen. Yeah, and, and I think that you see this as an option because he has Oregon ties. Mm-hmm. He's from Eugene. He, he played right. football at Eugene or at Oregon, but I, I just feel like they could do better. Um, especially when you look at how poorly Cal has been doing. And I just, it, I wouldn't really want to see this hire because it just seems like it's kind of a safe hire. You mm-hmm. look at my, how my, how Miami's spinning the crystal ball hire about coming home. He's, he's where he's supposed to be. Like that, that makes a lot of sense when, but like, look at what talent is available in Miami, in the state of Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, to rag on, on Justin Wilcox, but if it would, if they were to spin it as a homegrown hire at Oregon coming home, like welcome back hometown hero, it's like, you know, there's just, there's not a lot of talent in Oregon. I mean, there, there's definitely good players and, and good coaches that I'm sure have come out of here, but it's on a total, totally different level uh in florida and and at miami so i think that it's it's going to be hard for them to make you know the big splash hire that is you know so commonly discussed because of the timing of this and how so many coaches are are already signed at at new places um or re-signed where they were coaching during the year um and i think a lot of that is largely attributed to lincoln riley coming to USC, I feel like he was the first major, major coaching domino to fall in all this. Yeah. And I think another thing to kind of um, think about here on top of that is just how quickly this is probably not going to take, because I feel like a lot of people are expecting it to be this week that they announce a new head coach for Oregon. Um, Given what we've seen in the coaching carousel already, you know, Notre Dame quickly named Marcus Freeman, the head coach, you know, the Brian Kelly, like it all happened so quickly. It seemed that a lot of people were just like, Oh, Oregon's going to make their decision right away. And given, like you said, the timing of it, where this program is in terms of recruiting and being, you know, on the brink of a college football playoff for the last couple of years, I feel like they're really going to take their time and make sure that this program's not going to take a step down. Um, you know, given this coaching, just, you know, this move with Cristobal leaving, and probably a good chunk of, um, I would assume, a, a good bit of assistance in leaving as well. Because um, obviously, you know, a lot of the players are going to be confused with, um, you know, all the coaching changes around them um, and just where this program is. It doesn't feel like they should be going through this right now. Um, and so I, I think that Oregon's going to take a, a good bit of time to figure out who's going to lead this football team based on, you know, what Rob Mullen said alone, but just given you know, in the past, the Cristobal hire took a, um, a little bit less time. I think that's another reason why a lot of people think it's going to happen quickly, just because the Taggart thing, which I'm not going to talk about um, today, especially. Um, but Cristobal was an internal hire. I'm not expecting this to be an internal hire this time, um, given how many assistants might leave with Cristobal. Um, sure. And behind, you know, the ones that might stick behind probably don't have as much experience um, with the program. So, I, I do think that it's going to be an external thing. I just do they stay West Coast? 
Do they go outside the box like I'm expecting? Who knows? But I don't think it's going to be quick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, I feel like when you're looking at the timeline and, you know, is it going to be quick? It's, it's very relative because we are nine days away from the early signing period. You want to hire a coach to give these commits that are still waiting to see what happens, some confidence, but you don't want to jump the gun and just hire somebody to hire somebody. And I'm not, and I don't think that that's the case. You know, Rob Mullins has, has been doing this for a while. And, and I was at, that was one of the questions that I asked him today in the press conference, you know, what, what have you learned from, from going through this process before? Um, obviously, you know, promoting Mario, uh, you know, in 2017 it was, and then uh, hiring Willie Taggart. Um, he, he was saying that, you know, I, I learned that this is a really, you know, really appealing job and, and Oregon football is, is a job that a lot of people are going to want to come after. He was saying that he was telling me, you know, his, his, his phone's been blowing up uh, with, with people, you know, reaching out. So that's good to hear, but I think you, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, just looking at all the names that are kind of uh, obviously like I, what you're saying off the board, but with some people like Dave Aranda, we're still waiting to see official word, I believe um, at least as of the recording of this podcast around noon, what's going to go on there. He's expected to sign a new contract, but maybe that's a name that Oregon can, can kind of get back in the race for um, because I think that Oregon's probably a better job than Baylor, but um, I mean, I, I don't know Aranda super well as, as far as that goes. Um, you know, with, with maybe bringing him back. Um, got another question here from Michael Lara. Thanks for the question, Michael. He said, since Mario originally hired Marcus Arroyo and Andy Avalos, now head coaches as his coordinators, shouldn't the Ducks have them high on the short list? You want to tackle this one? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I think one of our writers brought up Avalos um, yesterday or the day before. Um I, I don't know, given what we saw from Marcus Arroyo as an offensive coordinator and, you know, how tough it's been to kind of get, um, you know, his feet on the ground and UNLV would get that program running. Um, I don't know if that would be an immediate um, phone call. I do think that they'll probably be in the conversation, but um, I think just because it's been, you know, a year and a COVID year, I don't know if it's... Um, I think they'll probably be on the list, but I don't know how highly I would put them. I don't have a lot much more to say on that, but 
yeah, I, I think if I had to pick one of the two, I'd go with Avalos just because, um, you know, I, I think the Boise State thing, I, I feel like he's more of an appealing hire. Um, and I think his fit with Oregon, his success at Oregon was a little more than than Arroyo's. Yeah, I, I would definitely lean on Avalos being someone that I'd be more confident in just because Boise State's done better uh, than UNLV has since he's there, which may be too direct of a comparison. But um, if you just look at how the coaches performed when they were here on their respective sides of the ball, the defense was obviously uh, a lot more dominant. Uh, Marcus Rowe as a play caller was just really, really dry. I mean, I, I think back to the the maddening number of screenplays that we saw when when Justin Herbert was here and then you see him just lighting it up in the NFL that that's pretty upsetting yeah. so I can understand why you would want to kind of circle around and, and maybe ask those guys but I feel like they could do better um but definitely better than Marcus Arroyo at, at this stage um and yeah I don't really see a whole lot of reason to uh to bring him back that's kind of just my uh my thoughts there let's see looking for some more uh questions here and we're getting a lot of them so just trying to see what's going on here as far as which ones we can maybe uh let me see here okay this this question is coming from chunky monkey thanks for the question what is Oregon's screen process to avoid this happening for a third time that is the million dollar question um and i, I think that that was asked in the press conference i'm just gonna try to go back to my notes here real quick dylan um, yeah, i believe it was just, just because it's a reasonable question, right? You know, what? Why does this keep happening? How do you get somebody that is is going to be uh, around for a while? Um, so I'm trying to see my my notes here. I was uh, recording it, and he was he was asked, um, you know, obviously with these two, the past two coaches leaving for Florida with Willie Taggart and Mario Cristobal, is there something you can look for? Uh, you know, can you kind of address, you know, what, what's what goes into to trying to hopefully keep a coach for the long term? And just want to say I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because the transcription service isn't always super uh, super accurate. Um, but Mullins was saying, you know, we'll we'll consider the, those two situations. Uh, we're keeping those in mind. You know, with, with Mario here for four years, he had a lot of success, and you want to create a, a culture where that you're recruited at a high level and and produce results on the field. Um, let's see. And you want to maintain some continuity for sure. But uh, Mullins was saying that the priority was to find a strong leader that uh, others would obviously be interested in because that means that you're having success and you're doing it the right way. So I think that you hear that and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with what we're hearing as far as getting uh, someone who's highly coveted and maybe some of these big names that are still out there and maybe still a possibility. Well, anybody with ties in Florida, I think, is gonna is gonna draw some criticism. People are gonna be a little weary now because it's happened twice. Um, but in all seriousness, I do think that um, you know those those two instances are definitely gonna be on their mind. Um, and it's I don't think it's necessarily like crazy that this this has happened a couple of times, um, especially given that both of them, you know, like you said, they had a dream job of. You know, Tiger going to Florida State, Cristobal going back to Miami. Um, I think the one thing that kind of explained it all was that Rob Mullins was talking about how um, the dream job kind of fell in Cristobal's lap. And it didn't really sound like Cristobal was expecting that. Um, and I saw reports that that's what he was telling the players at the at the meeting this morning, too, was, you know, he didn't expect to get the offer um, from Miami. So you, you never really can tell that this won't happen again, given how crazy college football gets with the coaches and, you know, how much money that coaches are starting to get now. You really never can tell how, I don't want to say authentic a coach is or how loyal a coach is to the, to the, uh, to the program. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to call Cristobal disloyal. I mean, he definitely put, you know, every ounce into this program while he was, while he was in Oregon. Um, and he deserves credit for that, but, you never really can tell, you know, where their head's at and what it would take for them to, you know, go elsewhere. So that's not a very good answer to that question at all. <laughs> but I don't really know if there is one better than what Rob Mullins said. Yeah. And then just to, to kind of confirm what you were talking about, some of those reports, um, one of my sources got back to me and 
and was just talking about kind of what what the conversation was like, uh, you know, between Mario and the players. Um, this is what I what I have. You know, he just said it was a really tough. It was really tough for him, but he played there, so it was a big deal for him to go back and coach. He said he never thought he'd uh, leave, but he also never expected the Miami job. So right in line with with you know what we were hearing there. Um, so you know, who who just God, just the way this went down was just it's just wild to me. But it's you hear things like that, and it just validates what we were hearing when he when he initially got the job and people were saying okay he was at, he had the alabama ties and he came from florida so um you know what what's going to happen there as as far as potential jobs that that he would consider leaving for yeah i think so many players now because i think there are still a couple of players on the roster that have that were from the taggart era as well maybe we're we're past that now um but yeah i mean how do you kind of stay loyal? How do you put everything into a coach knowing that it, it might not be a long-term thing? It might not take a whole lot for, for them to leave for another program. That for me, um, if I was a student athlete in that position, that would be really tough for me to kind of put my trust in, into a coach that, that could leave at, you know, if an offer arises. Um, you know, it's really hard to find the the Nick Sabans and the the Dabo Swinney's. Dabo might be a bad example, but um, to find those coaches that stick around for so long, the Kirk Ferentz, um, you know, the Mike Gundy's um, to stick around for so long. It's it's a rarity. It's tough for sure. And I think that a lot of th- people are thinking, at least I feel like it stands to reason that maybe you go for a West Coast guy, just someone yeah. that you know isn't going to have something, uh, you know, bigger or like home calling them where it's, it's harder for them to, to get out there. Um, you know, who, who's to say that his mother's health didn't play some kind of a role here. I feel like that it yeah. definitely did. Um, you know, after uh, that Oregon state game in the presser, he was telling us uh, when we were on that, in that press conference that he had to go back and um, visit his mom who was fighting. So um, obviously wishing the best for her, but I feel like maybe something like that happens and you, and you feel that family pull it just a little bit more. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Another, someone brought this up earlier, but, um, I saw a comment in the chat about, uh, Williams from USC thinking that that's Dante Williams. Oh, yeah. It'd be really, it'd be, I don't think I would want to take him as a head coach, but, um, we were, I think we're still trying to see kind of what Lincoln Riley's staff looks like at USC. You know, you figure that I think it would be beneficial for Riley to retain him because he's an LA guy, but if that's a guy that Oregon can get back in the running here, um, especially like I said, with, with Rod Chance having Florida ties, um, maybe that would be somebody that they could try to, you know, let's say hypothetically, um, you know, you can talk about hypotheticals all you want, like as this decision was looming, but now that we know, I feel like it's a little bit more appropriate to talk about this, especially when you're looking at who, who's maybe going to stay and who could go. So say for example, Rod Chance were, were to go back to Florida and then, you know, take that job with, with Cristobal, should he offer it? I think that Dante Williams is definitely someone you should call uh, at, at USC to just, you know, try to run it back because their, their defensive back recruiting was, was pretty elite when uh, he was here at Oregon. Yeah. He's done a really good job uh, recruiting at USC too, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a head coach call for sure. Um, but I do think defensive backs, you know, there are still some players that played for him. So uh, I think he would be a great uh, pickup if Rod Chance were to leave um, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to think of other people within the West coast that, um, might be a good call for the head coach. We talked about Sataki. I know you and Nick talked about him a little bit, um, at BYU. I, I think he's a great fit. Um, I thought he would have been a better fit at Washington given that, um, I believe he coached there before. I might be wrong on that. Um, but I do think that Oregon, you know, there's still a lot of that Polynesian, uh, culture there. There's still a lot of, um, you know, kind of similar, traits and similar schemes i do think the offense would be better with sataki uh he kind of brings a lot of the same culture that cristobal does with a lot of um, physicality and you know in the trenches especially on the offensive line so I, I think he would be a really good call on the west coast um one guy i was looking forward to maybe seeing in the conversation was jay norvell um he did end up taking the job at colorado state i did not expect him to stay in the mountain west i figured he would have gone to the pac-12 maybe as an oc or as a head coach somewhere. Um, I don't know. Did you have any other names that you were thinking in the West coast? 
Um, I think one guy I was thinking about, but it was more for the OC job, was um, I hope I'm not butchering it, Pat Mum or Mame at at UNR, uh, mm. Nevada. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, not Pat. Matt, I think. Let me see. Hold on. I need to just get on the actual roster here. <laughs> um, let me see. Okay, hold on, folks. All right, Matt Mum. Okay, so M-U-M-M-E. He's the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. Because um, you think if, if you bring in an offensive guy, you, you want to have somebody who has some experience with some quarterbacks. I feel like that would be a big a big benefit. Um, and you look at Carson Strong. Dylan, I know you were a huge, huge fan of Carson Strong the entire season before the season, probably still are now, but he, he threw for over 4,000 yards. And I believe his TD to interception ratio was something like 38 to six, like something crazy. So um, I don't know if, I, I mean, like I'm saying, I have to do some more digging in here, but that was kind of the the last uh, West coast name that I was thinking might be worth looking into. So the one thing about him and kind of the same reason why I was back and forth on Norvell was just because Nevada was an air raid offense more so than anything else. I think they were dead last in the FBS and rushing yards per carry. Obviously, Oregon's defense or um, you know offense in their running back room has much more talent than Nevada's did. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't expect an air raid offense to come to Oregon if he was to be the choice. But um, I, I don't know if he would necessarily be one of their first calls because of that air raid. I know for sure Oregon wouldn't want to go there, given it's Ty Thompson's first year. They have so much talent in the running back room. I don't think that would be. Um, I don't think that's a choice they would make. But I do like his. Like you said, his development of Carson Strong, Carson Strong, in my opinion, was a first-round pick coming in. Maybe fell off a little bit, um, but I still think he's worthy of being a late first-round pick, early second-round pick for sure. I think as a quarterback developer, that would be one thing that would be something I would draw towards, especially with Ty Thompson as um, the future of the program and with Butterfield and Ash, you know, Ashford as well in the background. I think with with Tanner Bailey opening things up, it definitely makes things interesting with with the recruiting trail. I mean, so I feel like so many of the top tier quarterbacks are off the board now. You know, just where mm-hmm. where things stand in the, in the calendar year. I was uh you know I was out in the Los Angeles area for the Oregon UCLA game uh, in October, and um, that was that was a big kind of topic because I was doing some stuff for SIL American. And uh, one of the guys that I went down there to cover was Justin Martin, who's now committed to UCLA. Um, and he was, at least in our rankings at SL American, I think he was the last top 10 quarterback that was still available. So I wonder if, if you're Oregon here, do you just try to play the transfer portal? Because maybe you have a better chance at that point. Um, you know, there were early reports uh, after Spencer Rattler announced that he was transferring, that Oregon was going to go after him. And obviously, it's been a, a pretty mixed bag at, at Oklahoma. Um, really dominant last year, and you know, I think he was the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick heading into the season. So m- maybe it makes more sense to try to go after him or go after a transfer guy, seeing that you know, I feel like whoever they try to go after on the t- in the twenty twenty two class, it's it's going to be pretty late. And I don't really know how you spin that after you know having the. I don't know how you spin that without it saying like, Hey, you're kind of a backup option. Like just being straight up just because, because this happened when it did with, uh, with Bailey opening things up. Yeah. I, it's tough because I know they don't have another quarterback in the 2022 class. Um, it looks like going into next year, they have, I believe still three. Um, maybe there's other scout team quarterbacks in the background, but it would be Thompson, Ashford and Butterfield. Um, in the background right now with Ty Thompson kind of expected to be, you know, the starter. Um, but I think I'm going to echo what a lot of Oregon fans have been talking about um, since, you know, the Moorhead leaving and everything with Anthony Brown and kind of the struggles we've seen from him. I just want to see a young quarterback develop and just get all the resources that, you know, he deserves because look at Justin Herbert, like you said, play calling with Arroyo was really dry, didn't have the talent, that, um, you know, that Mario um, Anthony Brown had this year at the receiver position, tight end position. 
um, had so many drops with Justin Herbert in that 2019 year, especially. Um, so I want to see with everything around him with an offensive minded coach, I want to see what Ty Thompson can do with this, with this roster. So, um, and I know that bringing in a 2022 quarterback uh, recruit, that wouldn't necessarily say, Oh, he's, you know, Ty Thompson can't win the job because there's this other guy here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you yeah, know, I don't think they should go after a grad transfer or anyone from the transfer portal. Like I think this job should be Ty Thompson's. I think they should let him know that. Um, or even if, you know, Butterfield or Ashford, I think they're capable of leading an offense um, as well, for sure. Um, it's just hard to say because we haven't seen much of any of them, but I, from what I've seen, I think Ty Thompson should be the quarterback, you know, that should be the pitch for offensive minded coaches or really any coach, any offensive coordinators that they're going to interview. He should be kind of the prize. Like, Hey, Ty Thompson is looking to be our guy. Let's, let's develop him. Let's, let's bring him what he needs to succeed and, you know, make him the future quarterback of the Oregon Ducks. Yeah. And then, you know, for people listening on the pod, when, when this uh, is posted, um, we're looking at the uh, Twitter post from, from Ty, saying it's a picture of him and Mario saying best of luck to you coach uh you created something special here that I'm blessed to have been a part of thank you for everything and to to reference what you were saying Dylan I feel like when you're juggling the juggling the quarterback deal I think you just got to take any shot you can and try to try to just add you just need people here especially people that are experienced because say it is Ty Thompson's job uh, at the beginning of next year and he's named the starter and, you know, things are going well, God forbid he get hurt. There's zero depth behind him. Um, yeah. That's not a slight to, to Ashford or, or Butterfield or anybody else that's going to be on the roster. But that's just the situation right now with, with Oregon and, and the quarterback room. There is no proven depth whatsoever, save one half of football from Ty Thompson against Stony Brook earlier in this year. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the quarterback position is going to be the biggest one to follow, I feel like, for Oregon, both on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. And it's got to be the number two story um, outside of, you know, the, the coaching carousel and, and who they can get for a head coach and, and eventually the offensive coordinator spot. I think that's going to be big um, because we've learned and we do, we continue to learn time and time again that you need elite quarterback play to have a shot in the college football playoff and have a shot at winning a national title, which is ultimately what uh, Oregon wants to do. Especially in the PAC 12. I mean, it's already hard enough to, to get the media attention, to get, you know, highly ranked um, and to get the respect from the committee as a PAC 12 team. And I think that if Oregon had a consistently elite quarterback play, they would be in the playoff. I, I, I think that is uh, what a lot of people feel, especially not a guarantee, but I do think they would have fared much better against Utah both times if the you know the passing offense was more lethal um, and a lot of that talent was used to its full potential. Um, but I, I do agree with your point about bringing in someone just for having experience and um, you know to give Ty Thompson someone to learn from and Butterfield and Ashford someone to learn from. Um, I, I I agree with that point. Yeah, so I think that that's probably the the best approach that they can kind of take right now. Um, looking in the chat to see if we have any, any more questions that we can, we can kind of hop on here. So let's check this out. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of aggressive chats here. Some people are upset <laughs> under understandably. So, cause you can see it on your end, right? I can't, but I'm looking at Twitter and I can probably get a feel for how everyone's feeling. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, it's just a crazy time out here in Eugene. Um, I think oh, I can't that actually. I, do, I do see the comments now. I didn't know I could look at it over here. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, so it's it's you know it's just a cool way to to interact with people and kind of see what what everyone's thinking. Um, yeah, I think I, I feel like you just you got to try to stay out west, but it's just hard to limit yourself to that because you look at the best where the best football is being played and it's in the south, so. Oh, it's, if you go after somebody that's in the Southeast, you're going for a top tier coach, but you're knowingly stepping into something uh, where you, you don't know if there's that longevity. And even if you hire somebody and they, and they say that I'm committed and I'm going to be here, 
you can't take anything at face value now with, with just the way that the coaching carousel has gone. Um, and, and people saying that, you know, they're, they haven't talked to anybody uh, that, I mean, that was definitely false at this point. Right. You know, with, with, with uh, if you think back to what Mario Cristobal said after that Utah game, how he, he hasn't talked to anybody and, you know, let's not create narratives here. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously talks have been going on, but before that, so it's it's wild man i mean oregon's gotta they gotta nail this higher if, if i'm if i'm usc or anyone else in the pac-12 really but especially if i'm usc i'm just i'm just rubbing my hands here and you know just just you know chomping at the bit because they are poised to make an unbelievable run here in these next nine days um with with who they can potentially still poach from oklahoma and then the local talent in LA, you look at Relique Brown already hopping on board, um, still looking for that first defensive talent to, to join. And I got to think that Damani Jackson is right up there now after this higher, uh, you know, elite cornerback at a modern day. Um, looking like it might be, you know, USC is probably right there in the picture now. And then Michigan and Alabama as well. Yeah, the other day we were talking about um, where Oklahoma is after Lincoln Riley left for USC. And I talked about, you know, preparing Oklahoma for the SEC and keeping them in contention with the college football playoff. I don't think this Oregon job is a lot different because look at the streak they've been on with recruiting. You know, they top the Pac-12 every year, might not this year, given what USC is doing. Um, and now Cristobal, you might see some decommitments, so that might change. But they're still right there in terms of, you know, you can recruit to Eugene. You can recruit to the University of Oregon. Cristobal proved that. Um, and obviously he is, you know, a phenomenal recruiter himself and the staff around him, they're all fantastic recruiters. So credit to them completely. But um, you can recruit to Eugene, Oregon over, you know, Alabama and Auburn and, you know, all these Ohio State. Like you can recruit to Eugene. It's it's a proven fact. And, um, you know, it might be tougher given that you're playing for a first year head coach, first year offensive coordinator, um, and you have to now compete with USC and, you have no idea what other teams, you know, Utah is still going to be a threat next year. Other teams might step up um, and you still have to compete for a four team playoff out of, you know, a, a Pac-12 conference that gets overlooked by pretty much everybody. So the the task is as high as any in, in college football. I think the only one that would have topped it was Oklahoma with the SEC looming, um, but they made Brent Venables their head coach. And as I'm looking here, um, Another name that I think got tossed around by somebody, Fresno State's offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb. Uh, he's now Washington's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. So he's off the board as a potential West Coast option. Okay. Yeah, that was actually, yeah, I saw that um, when we were recording, you know, as we were in this podcast. So I'm trying to just, that was a, there's just so much news going on. It's like one thing happens and then another thing happens. So yeah, here's the official from, from, Washington Huskies football uh, welcoming Ryan Grubb as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, has Jake Hayner even announced yet what's going on with him? Not officially. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, what more do you need? And obviously you have uh, DeBoer going to Washington, but you see this, it's just all the writings on the wall. It's crazy though. That he's like, he was, he started at Washington and then now he's going to go back, um, you know, to, you know, once it happens, you know, I don't want to, it's not final. Don't want to be putting fake information out there, but, um, but yeah, if that, if that happens, you know, it, it definitely sets them up for success, but yeah, there's, um, I think that the, one of the biggest things, I think that this is a piece I'm probably going to write later, but just about what we learned from the Mario Cristobal era, you know, mm -hmm. you can recruit at a super high level to Oregon. Like, I mean, we, we kind of knew that when Willie Taggart was here. Right. But yeah, it just, it was just re-emphasized that much more when when Mario Cristobal was here and just took it up a whole notch, um, and I think that I just wonder is it, does someone have to have ties to the South in order for them to get back in there? Because I, I don't know. Because you got to know how the the scene works out there, and it just raises I think one of the biggest questions that the Ducks are going to have to answer here is do you value recruiting prowess more or X's and O's coach more like someone who's really good in game? Cause clearly that's 
that's somewhere that that Mario Cristobal wasn't uh, you know up to snuff at. That wasn't where he needed to be. And I feel like a lot of Duck fans hearing this, they'll just immediately jump on. We want an X's and O's coach after this, but I think that after seeing Cristobal and what he did here, having elite recruiting just elevates your floor so much more. But it's obviously a super complicated question that you can't answer super easily. When I've talked to a lot of recruits, a lot of it is about experience as well. Given, you know, there's some of these guys on the, as of right now on the coaching staff that have developed a lot of NFL players at other, you know, other institutions, Mario Cristobal, obviously Alabama and winning national championships at Miami and um, being able to recruit at a high level at multiple schools. Um, I think that's one thing that's definitely going to be taking into account is a lot of recruiting experience, a lot of professional experience. Uh, coaches that can get guys to the next level. Um, I feel like a lot of the West Coast names that are out there right now, I, I don't know if anybody can match up with with Cristobal. Honestly, I don't know if you're going to find as elite a recruiter um, as as Mario Cristobal was. I, I think you're going to kind of have to build up from, um, you know, you're going to take a step back. I think a little bit in terms of recruiting. Um, because I, I just think Cristobal was one of the best in the country at it, uh, bar none. But it's, it's going to be really, really tough to see, you know, how to keep that momentum going, given everything else happening in the country. Um, and I, I think one of the names I just came across on Twitter was Pete Carroll. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. <laughs> Please. Who knows? No. Seahawks are not doing well, but. Yeah. No, I Pete Carroll, I live in Washington. My family's all Seahawks fans. I watch Seahawks games. No, you don't want Pete Carroll. The dude is beyond his time as a, as a coach, in my opinion. All right. Well, I don't want to you know wrap things up super abruptly, but I don't know if you saw it, Dylan. Apparently, Cristobal is going to go on Kenzano's radio show. Um, mm-hmm. I think someone said that in the comments earlier. Um, so I think we need to end this here. Uh, you know, we had a good hour and I'm sure there's gonna be plenty more discussion here. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and listen to that and see what new developments can come out of this. Uh, stay tuned to Ducks Digest for the latest updates on Mario Cristobal's departure and Oregon's uh, Oregon's pursuit of a new coach, their coaching search. Uh, follow me on Twitter at mTOR Sports and follow Dylan on Twitter at DRK Sports News. Um, and if you're watching this, we got a lot of people in the chat in the stream. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button for me, trying to grow the channel and, and do more of these live streams and, and interact with you guys um, and just get more of these videos up on YouTube because it's a super fun platform. Um, but make sure you stay tuned to ducksdigest.com and uh, hit that notification bell so that you get notified whenever I go live the next time because we got plenty to talk about here. Uh, and it looks like the offseason is going to get off to a pretty crazy start here after this bowl game. So. Stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in to the Ducks Dish podcast, and we'll see you in the next one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.